What's up, guys, and welcome back to Not Gonna Lie Podcast. I'm your host, Jonathan Terry, and I'm joined here today with Hayden Cheryl. Hey, what's up, Jonathan? Good to be here. So before we get into this episode, I just want to take a minute uh, and give a shout-out to both of our moms, actually. Um, we we just talked to the, both of them on the phone today, and we here at Not Gonna Lie Podcast would request that if you haven't given your mom a call, give her a call. Give her a call. Tell her you love her. And that, that's implied. You don't even have to say the words, but if you give your mom a call, she'll know. She'll know. She'll know. She'll know. And here's something I know, something that I've just uh, that I've picked up from having a mom for a little while, a, a long while. All that I can remember is that moms love listening to things in the car. At least my mom does. I know she loves listening to Not Gonna Lie podcasts, mm-hmm. among, among a couple of other podcasts. She also loves audiobooks, but she cannot find the right source for audiobooks. Can you help her out, Jonathan? I actually can. Listeners of this podcast get a free 30-day trial of Audible. Audible is an audiobook site with over 180,000 titles that she can listen to while she's in the car. So check out Audible. Give it a whirl. Thanks for helping around, Jonathan. Yeah, of course. (laughs) All right, now before we get into the Super Bowl picks and predictions that we were hyping up last week, Hayden and I wanted to take you back. We wanted to go back to the beginning of the Super Bowl. I do love some history, Jonathan. You know that. Yeah, of course. I do love some history. So... Let me let me take you back all the way to 1967, okay? In 1967, 33-year-old Pete Rozelle successfully negotiated a merger between the American Football League and the National Football League. Now, everything seemed to be going smoothly, and the only stipulation, or the main stipulation, was that they would create a championship game featuring the best team in the AFL and the best team in the NFL, which went over smoothly. Everything was perfect, except for they had trouble coming up with a name. And 33-year-old Pete Rozelle was a great young commissioner. I bet he didn't even get booed at the draft. Mm-mm. However, however, he was not good at coming up with names for the big game. And that's exactly what he tried to call it the first time was the big one. That was the first name he came up with. That flopped. Next up, Pete Rozelle wanted to call it the Pro Bowl. Pete Rozelle named the Pro Bowl, um, but this was supposed to be a much better game than the Pro Bowl. This was the Super Bowl, but it wasn't called that yet. Lastly, the name that he finally came up with that he was almost set on it's it's a mouthful. The AFL-NFL World Championship Game. And uh, let's just say that game never took off. We don't call it the AFL-NFL National Championship Game anymore. But then Lamar Hunt, uh, the founder of the AFL and the owner of the Kansas City Chiefs, um, he was at a meeting, and his son liked to play with a little toy. It was actually a huge toy. This was a booming business, the Super Bowl business. <laughs> the Super Bowl was, uh, it was just a, a really bouncy ball back in the day. And it was selling like hotcakes. And he thought, you know what I need to sell like hotcakes? The big one. I big need one. to sell this AFL-NFL championship game like hotcakes. So he decided, you know what, let's, let's call it the Super Bowl or something like that. And then a couple seconds later, he hesitated. He said, maybe not. Maybe we won't call it the Super Bowl. But it took off with the media, and that's why we call it the Super Bowl today. Yeah, and this has turned into mu- a much bigger event than just the game itself. Uh, commercials. I'm sure anyone who's watched the Super Bowl even if you're not a sports fan, has appreciated at least some of the commercials. It's a big cost to anyone who wants to be produced or shown in the Super Bowl. $5 million per 30-second ad. Commercials are a pricey business, and so are Super Bowl tickets. We know Super Bowl tickets go for thousands of dollars. But for the original AFL-NFL championship game, the first Super Bowl, tickets were $15, $12, or $10 for the nosebleed. And let me tell you, this was the first Super Bowl to not sell out. It was also the only Super Bowl to not sell out. Those tickets were considered too high for the first Super Bowl. Another thing that's gotten people really excited with the Super Bowl is the emergence of prop bets. 
And so some of you may not know what prop bets are, but it's basically just uh, little nuances in the game where people like to put money on because people like to spend money on everything for whatever reason. I don't know why. Uh, but the, the first prop bet that we want to cover today is the national anthem. So they've got the over-under at 105 seconds. That's a minute 45 seconds, isn't it? Nope. <laughs> no, yeah, it is. Yeah, that is. I got the math. Yes. That's quick math, kids. Yeah. A minute 45 seconds, and it's going to be sung by Gladys Knight, and we've pulled up footage of her in 1991 singing this national anthem. It'll be audio for you, but it's, it's you know, footage for us. So here's, here's Gladys Knight singing the national anthem. Gladys has got some pipes on her, Jonathan. She's a gospel uh, gospel singer from Atlanta. That's why she's doing the, the Super Bowl in Atlanta. And how long was that video? How that, long did she sing for there? That video was two minutes and three seconds. That, wow. So this, this prop bet seems a little low. Yeah, if, if, I'm, if I'm going with this prop bet, I'm going to take the over I'm for taking sure. the over all day long. A gospel singer in her hometown. So here, here's the, uh, the breakdown for some of you who may not know how the betting works. So the over is at... Uh, is at negative 140, and the under is at plus 100. So Hayden and I are not pro betters in any term of the word. Nope. No, we do not. We know a little bit. And so I'm going to try to explain to you what these numbers mean, but if it doesn't make sense, it's only because it I'm not It doesn't make a, sense to me either. Yeah, exactly. That's what it is. So if you bet on the over, it's a, a negative 140 for the over, which means that you would have to Bet $140 to win $100. In profit. In profit. So you're getting 240 back yeah, you would be, for your 140 Yes, Yes, you would be increasing $100 on top of what you bet. But if you took the under, you'd have to bet 100 to get 100 So they're saying that the over is more likely by putting it at 140 because because you have to bet more to get a, a payout, a yes. small payout. Yeah. Yes, so if that doesn't make sense, Google it. There's great articles that can explain it much better than I can, but we'll use this as a basis for the rest of these prop bets. So the next one I want to talk about, Maroon 5 is performing at the Super Bowl. How'd they get that gig? I don't know. <laughs> I, I haven't listened to Maroon 5 since like 2013. They so. were jamming back in 13, yeah, though. It's true. It's true. Uh, but this prop bet is, will Adam Levine wear a hat at the start of the halftime performance? So you've got yes at negative 110 and no at negative 130, which means that in order to make $100, if you bet yes, you'd have to bet 110, and in order to make 100, if you bet no, you'd have to pay 130. Don't worry, guys. There will be a quiz on this later, so you I'm know, failing. Take take notes. Okay, this is really important. Now, this one is arguably uh, my favorite prop bet. Uh, well, yeah, because you're not betting money. That's why it's your favorite. Yeah, yeah. If you're of betting, I don't know how to answer this one. No, this one's this one's kind of tough. Uh, which will be higher, Trump's approval rating or the longest field goal in the Super Bowl? So Trump's approval rating right now sits at 45%. So that field goal would have to be 45 yards to match that. Yeah, or, or longer. Or longer. So I, I feel like I, I like the chances of them kicking a 45-yard field goal. We've got a leg on Gustavski in New England, and he likes to hit some deep buzzer beaters, let me tell you. That, that's, that's <laughs> he might point. hit. I, I think Gustavski hits a 52-yarder and, uh, and covers the field goal uh, over on this one. Yeah, so you've got a, a, a plus 110 for Trump. And you've got a negative 140 for the field goal, so I think the numbers favor Trump. But I mean, you gotta, you gotta. Gostowski like, just being there 
is like a question mark for this bet. Yeah, and and Zuerlein already hit like yeah, a forty five. Yeah, hits him too. Yeah. I should not. I hate to disrespect Greg the leg. Yeah, they're ne- both huge course, legs. Yeah. My bad. Yeah, no, you're you're all good. All right, and now this one is probably the most complex prop bet: the color of the liquid poured on the winning coach. This one's this one's tough every year. I based this one. I think I did this one um, a couple Super Bowls ago. I did this one when Seattle played Denver, and I was thinking to myself. If, if Denver wins, it'll be an orange. And if mm-hmm. Seattle wins, it's going to be some sort of a green flavor. Yeah. And that was just like, or blue. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so at the time, I was like, let's go orange because then we don't have to bet between green and blue. This year is tough because, you know, if the Patriots win, what are they going red? Yeah. I mean, I don't even. I mean, well, but you think about it. Bill Belichick's a fundamental guy. You know it's you know it's yellow. It's, it's yellow. No, it's Gatorade. fruit punch. No, fruit no. Fruit no, punch no. is classic. But, but he's, no, but the original, the original Gatorade, Bill Belichick seems like an original guy. I gotta say, if if they win, uh, then it's gonna be yellow. But honestly, but you got a young coach in Sean McVay. Mm-hmm. McVay's gonna have a, a juicy new flavor. Yeah. No. I. So basically, to give you guys the lines on this one, it's plus two twenty five for a lime green or yellow, plus three hundred for orange, plus three seventy five for blue, plus four hundred for red. Clear. Also, also water clear. Let me so, stop you here. I think Brady might be a water guy. Well, I mean, Brady's obviously a water guy, but. <laughs> Maybe, but. maybe they go clear. I don't know, but four hundred there, it's not, it's not bigger than red. Yeah, and then, and then here's the last one here. It's purple, and I kind of like purple. A if thousand? it's Sean, Sean McVay, yeah, shot. that's a that's a plus a thousand. So for those of you taking notes at home, if you bet a hundred dollars and they pour a uh, purple Gatorade down Bill Belichick or Sean McVay's head, you are a thousand dollars richer. That's a big bet, and I don't know if I'd take. I don't know if I want any of these options here. I do like the green and yellow combined into one. But then again, that's probably why it's the the highest ranked option. Yeah, no, I I agree with you there for sure. I'm gonna I'm gonna be bold here though. I'm gonna I'm gonna make a pick. I'm gonna go red. I think I think either of these teams could do red because Mc, for McVeigh, like it's fruity, young yeah. coach, yeah. and then red is also it's a you know it's a prominent color in New England. So mm-hmm. I'm going red. Yeah, I think if I had to go with an overall one, um, like I kind of like I kind of like that fundamental yellow. I think it's just it's a classic. You can't go wrong. Based based off of of what's gonna happen, I have to go. I have to go yellow. Tell you what, there's a lot of uncertainty uh, with these with these prop bets. You don't really know what's gonna happen. But you know what, Hayden? You know what? There's no uncertainty in that. Jonathan's gonna shamelessly plug his Audible. That is so true. That is so true. A free trial is actually what I was gonna say, but that's a close second. Listeners of this podcast can get a 30 day free trial for Audible. Audible has over 180 thousand titles. You can listen if uh, you're Hayden's mom in the car. While you're driving, you can listen while you're hanging out with friends. You know, just kick back to an audiobook. Plenty of <laughs> options, plenty of different titles. You can find this free trial at www.audibletrial.com slash NGL. NGL. All right. Now let's actually transition into meaningful analytical. Wow, they have waited this long to hear some meaningful analytics. Yeah, we're about 10 minutes deep in here, and now you're actually going to hear some some stat-based opinions here. Not just... What what color Gatorade is going to be poured down the winning coach's back? Don't knock on the red Gatorade. No. All right. So that's the sleeper here, red Gatorade. But anyways, I want you to tell me who you think is going to win and why. Well, here's the thing. My heart tells me two things. My heart tells me Tom Brady is a winner. Bill Belichick's a winner. And their system is a winning system in, in New England. My heart also tells me that I hate that. And my heart, th- I guess my heart just hates itself. <laughs> And and but but my brain says, you look at the stats. You look at the great rushing offense that um, 
that New England's brought to the table this postseason and the great rushing offense that L.A. has brought to the table this postseason. I'm a Cowboys fan, and they ran all over us with C.J. Anderson, mm. the big boy. Mm. But then I look at it, and I, I see those numbers, and those are pretty similar. I look at the defense, and I think both of these defenses are elite. I, do, I don't like the disrespect that the Patriots' defense gets. Mm-hmm. And I think that Dominic Sue, I think he's overrated. We'll talk about this in a sec. I think he's overrated on that, on that Rams front seven. So to me, it comes down to the quarterback and the coach. And, and McVay and Belichick are both great football minds, but Belichick's been here before, and, and Brady's been here before. And so I think, given no scenarios, given no if, if wins, buts, or ifs about it, Jonathan, mm-hmm. and it's not about Gatorade, and it's about the winner of this game, yeah. it's hard for me to bet against the Patriots. I'm going to have to take them, and, and my heart is, uh, is both leaping with joy and um, giving me a heart attack right now, because I don't like that. But at the same time, it's hard to not pick the Pats here, but we can talk about a little bit more as to um, how the Rams can pull this one out and how the Pats, um, how I think the Pats will pull this one out, unfortunately. All right, well, while you recover from that potential heart attack, uh, I'll hop in here. So right off the bat, I just want to be honest with you guys. There's heavy bias, heavy, heavy, heavy bias into who I think is going to win. And that is because my psychology teacher said that if the Patriots win the Super Bowl, that our midterm is extra credit. And you know me, I like my grades. So I right now I have to say Patriots, but I'll I'll actually give more of a NFL reason why. I've picked them to lose in both of the games they've played. And they have won both of the games they've played. I've fallen into that classic trap of the Patriots are done. They're old. They're toast. They're old. They're slow. They can't do anything. Not the same. And here they are back in the Super Bowl. I honestly can't say that the the Patriots are going to lose to a less experienced team. I think the Rams did play well against the Saints, but I don't think they have the experience needed to beat the Patriots. Ah, and and I can't, <laughs> and I can't I can't go against the Patriots again. I can't I can't be wrong three times in a row. It's basically what I'm trying to say. So it's part of trying to save face. But you look at that. Sony Michelle has shown up in the playoffs running the ball. Actually, all six, James eight, White, ten, ten of their Rex running backs. Burkhead. Yeah, all of their running backs have shown up in the playoffs. It's ridiculous. Tom Brady's playing great. Uh, Gronk show, uh, showed flashes uh, in the in the championship game. Vintage Gronk. Yeah, Edelman, vintage Edelman. They've got a bunch of white receivers out there that we've never heard of that are making plays. Uh, I, I honestly can't see the Rams being able to pull it off. But with that being said, uh, Hayden, I want you to give me one reason why each team will win the game. Like, what what is the key to each team winning this Super Bowl game? I, I can see the Rams pulling it off because I look at the playoffs and I look at these numbers here. Both of these teams are the this is the number one team and the number two team in time of possession. The the Patriots have thirty nine and a half minutes a game in time of possession. That's a big number, but the Rams are are six minutes behind him with thirty three and a half. And if the Rams can take the Patriots off of that and get some pressure onto Tom Brady, who has not been not been touched this whole postseason, if they can they can dominate that time of possession, which is always the key, you know, in these games. If they can dominate that time of possession and run the ball down their throats, get Todd Gurley going, and get big boy C.J. Anderson, mm. get him going, and keep Jared Goff off of his back. When Jared Goff's on his back, he looks, you know, when he gets back up off his back and runs another play, he looks like a, like a, like a sophomore quarterback or a rookie quarterback even. But when Jared Goff is standing up in the pocket, in rhythm, running a, a hurry-up offense or even a two-minute drill, he looks like an experienced quarterback when his feet are planted and he's making good throws. But when his feet are planted and he's able to to go through all of his reads and not worry about a guy on his 
on his back, putting him on his on his belly. Jared Goff looks like a poised pocket passer. And if he gets that opportunity and they can run the ball and open up the passing passing game for Jared Goff, that's how they're going to have to do it. So it's going to come down to the offensive line of the Rams if the Rams pull this off. All right, yeah, I like that. Uh, I'm going to take a similar approach here in saying that one of the reasons why I think the Patriots are going to win, or the biggest reason, is because of that running game. If they can outrush the Rams, then they will win this game. I think with that two-headed monster they have in Los Angeles, being able to outwork that with their four running backs that they have, I think that's going to put them in the best position to win. But I'm going to go on the opposite side. So I'm going to say that not the Rams' offensive line, but the Rams' defensive line is their biggest factor into winning the game. If they can shut down the running backs, if they can put pressure on Tom Brady, make him throw some ill-advised throws, maybe get a couple turnovers, Not even they don't even need to sack him. If they can hurry him, I think the Rams can have a shot in this game. And you know who that comes down to? Come, and you know who that comes down to is Aaron Donald. He's the he's the MVP of this team in my book um, for the last couple of seasons. And I don't buy into the Dominican Sioux hype. I'm seeing all over that Dominican Sioux and Aaron Donald is this just this terrifying force. And I'm not going to disagree with that. But but it goes it goes a lot towards Dominican Sioux in these in these arguments that are made. And I think the real reason Dominican Sioux has been so dominant is because. It's more than just Dominic Sue on this D-line. And I think if Aaron Donald can get a sack in or two and they're forced to double him uh, like they like they probably will the whole game, but if they're forced to commit to that double, then Dominic Sue's going to be able to he's going to be able to go off. So I don't think he's that good. I don't think he's worth the hype, but I think in this game he could put up two or three sacks and and really change the momentum of the game. But that that's going to happen later. That's not going to happen early. Cuz if anything, Belichick knows how to key in on a defensive player. Mm. He's keyed in on the Legion of Boom in Seattle in Super Bowl 49, and I think he's going to do the same thing against Donald. They're going to start off the game shutting shutting down that uh, pass rush and, and throwing all over him, but a couple are going to slip through, and that could change the momentum of the game. Yeah, there's no question that there's a lot of, of key factors into what might change this game, uh, and you know, I, I'd be happy to see either team win. You, you obviously know how I prefer uh, the game to go out because I want to get a good grade in psychology. But, yeah, we'll see how it goes. So, in today's news, actually, this is very Ooh. recent, very hot takes of the NBA. We had a massive trade. I was actually sitting in aforementioned psychology class oh when this trade finalized, and all I could say was, wow. For those of you who, who may not have heard, Chris Porzingis displayed his disinterest in playing for the Knicks. He was worried about their future. Well, and, this- and he was sick of, he was sick of not playing. Because he feels like he's going to be healthy enough, and he doesn't want to get Kawhi Leonard, you know, like he did it with the Spurs. So this is a similar situation to that. Yeah, and so so he had this conversation with the Knicks organization that came out this morning, and almost immediately, within a couple of hours, he was gone. He was moved to the Mavericks. So there's about seven players, I believe, involved in this trade, and, and here they are. So the New York Knicks acquired Dennis Smith Jr., DeAndre Jordan, Wesley Matthews, and two future first-round picks, and they give up. Chris Stapps Porzingis, Tim Hardaway Jr., Trey Burke, and Courtney Lee to the Dallas Mavericks. And how crazy is it that Hayden is actually a Mavericks fan? So I'm going to let Hayden step in here and kind of break this trade down for us, why he likes it, why he doesn't like it, possibly. Go ahead. So when I first saw this trade, um, they didn't have the two picks attached. It said possible picks to be named. And I was excited, although I didn't see Trey Burke. And so here's why I was excited. DeAndre Jordan and Wesley Matthews are both on expiring contracts. Both of them are um, going to be free agents after this season. 
And I think DeAndre would have resigned. I don't think he will now, but I think he would have resigned. I don't think Wesley Matthews probably would have resigned because he has just not been not been playing very well in Dallas, and I don't think he feels that the organization is putting him at the centerpiece with, you know, he's behind Harrison Barnes and Luka Doncic. But we did give up Dennis Smith Jr., and that was a that's a big asset for the Knicks. I feel good for Dennis Smith Jr. on this one because he's going to get a good role in New York. Um, and I also feel good for him because he was not happy with the Mavericks. If you've been keeping up with that situation over the last couple of weeks, Dennis Smith Jr. has been away from the team. There's been some, I don't want to say beef, but there's been some uh, drama between him and Rick Carlisle over um, a variety of things, illness, um, injury, and playing time, and his role with the team. And so it's good to see him get another role, and it's good to see the Mavericks um, find a way to ship him off before things got ugly because he really didn't fit well with Luka Doncic's play style. And by this point in the season, everybody knows that this is Luka Doncic's team for, I mean, could be for the next decade or two. We'll see. Yeah, no question. If you remember uh, last week's episode, I talked about Dennis Smith Jr. Hap, uh, possibly going to the Wizards in a, in a trade I made up. Uh, but I, I do like this trade. I think that it helps them jumpstart. And having those picks, we've seen in, in recent years, having picks is the quickest way to, to rebuild. There's no question that this helped both teams, uh, but maybe in different ways. It helps the Knicks in their quest for Zion Williamson, and it helps the Mavericks maybe hop into playoff contention right now. And the biggest thing it does for the Knicks is it, it dumps two big contracts, Porzingis' contract and Tim Hardaway Jr., who was on a big, big contract. Um, let's see, what is he getting? 20, 20 mil. 20 mil a year for Tim Hardaway Jr., which, which is expensive. And it also, they're, they're acquiring two contracts that are expiring. If they decide to go after some big fish in free agency, they have enough money for two max deals. And so there's some rumors going around that they're going after KD. We'll see how that goes. We'll see if KD wants to be a Nick. Who knows with KD at this point. And the other big question marks in this trade, one, Christoph Porzingis' health. Is he going to play the rest of the season? Is he going to sit and play next season? How is he doing on his road to recovery from this ACL tear? And two, where are these picks going to be a couple years down the road? Because the years have not been named yet on these picks. And so I'm sure the Mavericks at this point are banking that these picks will be in the 20s. They're hoping to make the playoffs um, with this trade and hopefully not give up too much by giving up two first-round picks. But that's a that's a big price to pay. And the last portion we want to cover on the show is the All-Star Reserves have been announced today. I told you this was all about breaking news today. So the East All-Star and West All-Star Reserves have been announced. So in the East, you've got Ben Simmons, Bradley Beal, Chris Middleton, Nikola Vucevic, Blake Griffin, Kyle Lowry, and Victor Oladipo. And in the West, you've got Anthony Davis, Russell Westbrook, Carl Anthony Towns, LaMarcus Aldridge, Damian Lillard, Clay Thompson, and Nikola Jokic. But I want you to tell me who deserves to be in and who deserves to be out. Well, you know what I'm going to say first here. Luka Doncic deserves to be in this All-Star game. Number two in front court voting in the West. Number three overall in the West. When you look at his numbers compared to Aldridge's numbers, he's, he's put up 0.7 less points per game than Aldridge, uh, a couple less rebounds, and three more assists. And when I say a couple less rebounds, it sounds like I'm hiding something, doesn't it? Um, he's, he, he's put up 1.9 less rebounds per game, but three more assists per game. And, and the biggest story here is that he has been uh, the heart and soul of this Mavericks team, and, and he did so well in fan voting, and, and he's a rookie. And I know that that shouldn't play into things, but, but it does. And so in the West, I think that is the biggest snub is Luka Doncic um, behind LaMarcus Aldridge. Although Rudy Gobert deserves a little bit of uh, real estate in that conversation. Probably one of the lesser known snubs 
is Tobias Harris. Now, he's the forward for the Clippers, and he's averaging a similar stat line, uh, better in a couple areas than LaMarcus Aldridge. I think we're both in agreement that LaMarcus Aldridge does not deserve to be in this game, and there are multiple names that we could throw in there. And for those of you who may not know, Victor Oladipo suffered a season-ending injury. Uh, So he is on the All-Star team, but he will be replaced by whoever Commissioner Adam Silver decides that he wants in that game. And there are a few names that could be talked about uh, to, to be put in this game. Jimmy Butler, uh, D'Angelo Russell. Who do, who do you think Who do you think is going to go in? Well, I saw on Twitter uh, just before recording this podcast that it's between Jimmy Butler and Pascal Siakam. And to me, uh, they're missing a name there, don't you think? Yeah. They're missing a big name. Mm-hmm. D-Lo, D'Angelo Russell. I, I think it's it's ridiculous that Adam Silver is choosing between the two of them. I mean, no no offense to Pascal Siakam. He's having a great year. And no offense to Jimmy Butler. He's doing well as, as well. But Jimmy Butler spent half the, half of this first part of the season on the Timberwolves in the West, not even in the East. And are you really going to sit there and tell me that Siakam, the third option on one of the best teams in the, in the East, is more deserving of an all-star appearance than D'Angelo Russell, the main catalyst for a Brooklyn Nets team Who's relevant again? Who's over 500? I think that's ridiculous. And D'Angelo Russell is averaging 19.5 points per game this season. Uh, Butler's at 19.6. Siakam's down there at 15.2. And the biggest number here that we like to look at um, in an argument for D'Angelo Russell is 6.4 assists per game. He is leading this team um, as as a really solid, true point guard. And also, he's a lot of fun to watch, and I think that's why he did pretty well in fan voting. Yeah, there's no question about it. There's always controversy when it comes to the all-star voting, uh, but all in all, it's going to be a very exciting game. All right, I think that's going to do it for us here on the podcast. Uh, be sure to check us out on Twitter, on Instagram, also on Patreon. You can also listen to this podcast and the rest of the other episodes on Apple Music and Spotify. And don't forget about the Audible free trial, www.audibletrial.com. Thanks for listening, guys.